Hey, welcome back to Time Limit. I'm sorry there's been a little bit of a gap in our programming. With the pandemic, which basically has everyone working from home, it's been a little bit more difficult to get folks scheduled because, you know, remote project management isn't easy and getting used to working from home can be a challenge as well. So I hope that you're doing okay. You know, we work remotely at Team Gantt, so my setup is pretty much the same. I just have to make sure my kids and my dog stay quiet while I record. That said, sometimes getting a clean recording can be tough, even in normal times, especially when there are three people on the interview. So on this interview, you might hear some background noise, but I think the content of the interview itself will make you ignore those random sounds of paper moving and doors closing. So in this episode, I was really excited to welcome Welcome Susie Palmer True and Peter Taylor to the show. Susie is an award-winning project professional and the director of change and improvement at the Open University. You may recognize Peter's name. He's the author of the Amazon number one best-selling project management book, The Lazy Project Manager. He's also a professional speaker and has given 350 lectures around the world in 25 countries. I've had the pleasure of meeting and introducing Peter as the opening keynote speaker at the Digital PM Summit 2019. In that talk, he got a room full of digital PMs to sing along to Let It Go. It was poignant considering there were 325 project managers in a room at Disney Springs. Kind of funny. Anyway, Susie and Peter joined me to talk about their new book, Project Management, It's All Bollocks. I think you'll like a lot of what they've got to say in the interview about the worldwide the wide world of project management and how PMs can truly own the future of the role. I hope you enjoy it. Susie and Peter, thank you so much for joining me for this episode of Time Limit. And thanks so much for sending me a copy of your book, which is called Project Management, It's All Bullocks, The Complete Exposure of the World of and the Value of Project Management. That's a mouthful. It's a super short book, but I really enjoyed it. So thanks for being here with me and thanks for joining. A pleasure. Thanks for having us. Yeah. So I'm really excited to talk about the book that you co-authored. Um you know, like I mentioned, it's a short and it's it's a short read. It's also a really irreverent read. Uh, it's it's very funny and it's actually really helpful. So I was thinking before we dig into the content of the book itself and talk about project management, I just have to know how you two got connected because in the book description it says you vaguely know each other and you barely like each other. So is it true? How did you kind of get together and how did you come up with the idea for the book? Oh, it was a holiday romance, actually. That's how it all started. Um, Susie would disagree with the camera strongly. Um. <laughs> no, what, I, I, do you mind if I take this one, Susie? No, go for it. Because, you know, I love this story. So I, I was in, uh, well, we were both, actually, at a conference in Athens in Greece. And we met, I was um, uh, opening keynote. I did my thing. And at some point later on, Sue's made some comments about uh, some aspects of project management and she came up with the phrase, well, it's all, buzz, all bollocks, really, isn't it? And I loved it. It was, it was She was so irreverent and so challenging that after we departed this uh, epic meeting in, in Athens when these two great minds came together, um, I, I thought, well, I'll, I'll play with this one. And I, and I reached out to her with a suggestion of a, you know, a very humorous, it, it, is, it is pretty much in, in the back of the book is a description of the, you know, how we came to meet up, et cetera, and how we, uh, how we engage with each other and challenge each other and take the mickey out of each other as well. Um, 
and and I was sort of delighted that Suze came back and said, "Yeah, okay, let's let's do it." And so from that, you know, we connected at that conference, and the book came from that conference, and and the rest is is now history and publishing of it in a, a very attractive pink cover that uh, we want everybody to read. Love it. It's great. So I want to dig into to project management. And in the book, you say the world of PM is annoying and confusing. Can one of you kind of expand on that a little bit? Because I don't disagree with you at all. I think as someone who is in project management in a kind of small niche of digital project management, I've found it the, the wide world of PM to be annoying and confusing because there's no one way of doing things. There are lots of different camps, so to speak. And I'm just, I'm, where, are you, where are you coming from with, with that kind of description? Should I take this one? Absolutely. <laughs> so, so I think ultimately you started to answer the, the question yourself because there is no one way of doing something. There is no ultimate leader. There is no single group. You know, when we looked to do our jobs, there's no single lighthouse saying everybody this way. And what you come across is conflict in ideas and conflict in ambition and conflict in groups that ultimately go to war. And I use war, war loosely because obviously nobody's harmed in, in project management. Um, but it's not helpful. And it's not helpful to those that are new to the, to the business, to the, to the profession. It's not new to those who are choosing to work with project managers it does nothing for our reputation and we end up in this spiral of just getting annoyed frustrated and confused with each other with our profession and then with the people that we're working with so a big part of this was around creating some space to calm that annoyance and confusion and just to try and show some different ways to pinpoint some directions to give a bit of clarity and for people to be curious again about a profession that both Peter and I I love so would you kind of attribute all of that kind of to part of the reason why it's so difficult for some folks to be a PM? Yeah, I think I would. Um, I think people just find it confusing and, and still project management surprises people. You know, suddenly people are will become a, a leader of some sort of project or change and it surprises them because they never anticipated doing this uh, and there's just no clarity as, as soon as i said you know there, there's no there's no single point of reference there's oh i'm going to do this i'm going to be in charge of some sort of project at this point in time so here i go here's my abc guide to be a project manager it just doesn't exist and uh, one of the things that uh, i talk about is this uh, you know that we are in this world where there are multi-layers inside organizations and there are projects as projects you know this is where these are these are big hairy scary changes that are led by a full-time project manager but there's an ever-increasing middle point there and something you know it's a group we wanted to reach out to with this book which is these are people who are delivering change as part of their day-to-day -day job and it's one you know, phrase that i use which is projects as usual because all of that sits on top of business as usual because that's what your organization does but this, these, these kind of strata exist and therefore, I think, you know, even to start a conversation about, well, as a project manager, what am I? What am I supposed to be doing? Am I, am I supposed to be a dedicated project manager? Am I supposed to be leading change as part of my day-to-day -day job? Um, you know, what does that actually mean? How do I work with everybody? And what is my process? What is my method? All of those things make it a, a very complex world. Even in one organization, you can find a number of different ways of doing something, of doing this kind of project delivery process. And so I think it is uh, just generally challenging. And, and we wanted to, in this book, 
by at least provide some sort of simple reference point for anybody who's involved in projects as a kind of let's cut all the crap out and this is the heart of what we're talking about here and now take that understand it apply it and then wrap what else you need around it to be successful in your own organization and chill out a bit yeah <laughs> chill out a bit absolutely <laughs> i agree with you it, it doesn't have to be so difficult, right? I think sometimes we make it really difficult on ourselves. Uh, I, I also really like the kind of personal kind of approach that you take in the book about around the role of the PM. So in the quick guide, kind of at the end of the book, you basically say that understanding yourself and the role that you play in delivery is really important. And I personally have found that's a really big issue for project managers because they're often in a job where they feel isolated and sometimes even devalued. Um, and that's based on the organization that they're in or the team that they're working with. And to me, that's bollocks, right? Like yeah. how do you, how, but like, how do you guide someone to get to an understanding where they believe that they play an important role in delivery and they have a firm understanding of the role that they're in when things are just always kind of an uphill battle? I think for me, it's very much about knowing yourself and knowing yourself early on. And this is in part, you know, who we wrote the book for. So especially for me, you know, I wrote the book. For, for me when I was 20 not me when I was 35 um, mm-hmm. to help me find that path to understand who I am because if you know what your values are and if you know what you believe in you know what gets you out of bed and you know what pisses yourself off your ability to position yourself into a role whether that be a pure project role or one that spans out into change or projects as usual territory you'll be able to find that groove and have that impact and deliver value in a way that goes with you. Um, so you won't always be operating against the grain. You, you will be doing something that sings in, in the way that you do it. And I think that's a really hard thing to establish, but the earlier you understand what you are and what you identify as, the easier it will be. Many people that we work with don't necessarily identify first as a project manager. You know, that's not the first thing on their list. You know, we, we're parents, right. we're partners, we're women, we're friends, you know, we're advocates, we're adventurers. You know, and if you can find that part of you and then let the project management section follow, you'll project manage within your identity and in harmony with your identity. And naturally, our position is that, therefore, this stuff should be a lot easier and a lot more fun. I agree with you. I, I, I love that. I think, you know, the worst PMs are the ones who are trying so hard to follow what a book says and not just be themselves and just connect with a team, understand the challenge that they're in and reach out to those people for the help that they need. The good PMs are the ones who are good at all those things and can just be comfortable in their own skin and in their own role. And Relax a little bit, like you said, Susie. So one of the questions, while we're kind of talking about like what what PMs should be, one of the questions I get fairly often from project managers is whether certification is worth it. I'm sure both of you get that question too. And I'm just curious, how do you address that, that question or how, how do you guide people into certification? Well, I think, you know, my view on certification is if you want to, then fine. Um, yeah, go ahead and do it. You know, I've worked and led a number of PMOs. We've always supported our project managers on becoming certified 
um, wherever it's suitable for them. You know, you know, different parts of the world require different certification to be kind of recognised by clients, etc. But the point I've always made to them is, well, you know, it's not about you becoming certified that is really important to me anyway. It's about you applying your time to become certified because, you know, whilst we might say, well, we pay for your membership of an organisation, we pay for your exam at this organisation to become certified. Um, but, you know, at the end of the day, it's your time you need to put in to actually demonstrate you can or actually achieve the certification. And that is a much greater mark, I think, of attitude of project managers. That's the way I always looked at it. As far as people are concerned, you know, I've worked with great project managers who aren't certified. I've worked with some good project managers that are certified. And I've worked with some crap project managers both ways around. But so, you know, in, in itself, it is not necessarily a, a proof point. I don't believe it's, uh, you know, some people can find it quite simple to adapt to the process to achieve certification. And you see quite a few people out there on the uh, on LinkedIn, et cetera, with an unbelievable number of certifications after their name. But does that make their, make them brilliant at what they do? Questionable. Um, so, you know, if it works for you, that's fine, but I don't think it's what makes a good project manager. I agree. And I think combined kind of with what Susie said earlier, having that foundation of a certification or at least some level of education is by all means helpful, right? But actually, being comfortable in the role and doing as as good as you can do in the role is probably more important, right? Like because you always adapt to your surroundings, or at least I, f- I feel like as a PM, I do. Definitely, you know, I am um, part part of the books. So I'll give I'll give away an entire paragraph now. So I, when I started out in in project management, my interest started from an academic perspective. So I actually began with a master's in project management, which is arguably a bit of an unnecessary academic. Um, decision but then I couldn't get a job because nobody understood what that meant and no one could see how I could apply it so then in a moment of desperation I basically bought Prince 2 for the certifications are available and cracked out an exam and expected to instantly become a project manager and I didn't and to a certain extent I probably got worse because I got more attitude and more confidence but I had absolutely you know all the gear no idea was the position I, I ended in but it's only you know scroll forward five five, ten years, and, and that's when you start to see the value of those accreditations when I can bring them in and, and use them now as part of a, a broad skill set rather than just being completely reliant on single certificates. I think you, you have to choose choose wisely. Absolutely. I kind of want to tie this into um, the seven cracking ideas in the book. Um, so I really liked in the book how you say that project life is not painting by numbers. And sometimes I feel like there are some project managers out there who want that. And I kind of meant, alluded to that earlier. Um, to me, that's really problematic because I, I do think project management is a lot of common sense. And you say that too in the beginning of ch- the chapter. Um, and and I, I think that these, the seven cracking ideas to make project management better are really, to, to, to me, those were kind of like the real meat of the book. And I don't want to give those all away, but I'm curious about how the two of you came up with and agreed on those seven ideas, because I think that was a lot of information to distill in a a short amount of space. And I think you did a really great job with it. Um, So can you just talk a little bit about kind of the inspiration for those ideas and then maybe how, what your process was to kind of work through them? Because I know it's not easy to come up with that kind of thing. So do we have to pretend now that we did a lot of hard work and put it into this book and, you know, months and months of discussion? <laughs> yeah, you, you tell, tell that side of the story. 
Okay, fine. Yeah, absolutely. Well, no, I mean, actually, we came up with them very quickly, if I remember rightly. I mean, after after Athens, etc., we we pretty much worked remotely, and you know, we had sessions where we just sort of talked to each other about a topic, recorded it, transcribed it, etc., which is always you know was good fun, particularly with Susie having a, a young baby in the background occasionally, which made some of the transcriptions very entertaining. But if I remember right, I think you know I don't think we I think we pretty much went straight in with the seven idea. We might have had seven or eight or nine or something like that, and you know they kind of distilled down into what logical ones from that from our point of view. I don't I don't remember a huge discussion around that. We seemed to just agree. And then explored what that those agreements were and what sat below it. And we we did in a lot of the writing was done on a shared basis. And then bring in yeah, each person would bring what they'd done to the other person for uh, you know interaction, discussion, challenge, etc. But I have to say this wasn't this wasn't an onerous writing experience, despite you know all the uh, all the teasing I might do with Sue's. It was. Um, <laughs> it was a fairly straightforward thing. At least that's my memory. But I'm quite old, and Sue's might remember it differently. No, I, th- I think it's true. You know, ultimately, you know, the, the cracking ideas stemmed from all of our conversations where we'd hit something like, yes, that's a good one. Like we, we enjoyed talking about something or it sparked into a discussion or it went down an avenue. And it's like we have something here. So we basically made a list of all of the, oh, that's a good thing. And then, and then started to bring them together. And I think, you know, by the time we got to the end, I can't remember how many had, but, you know, we sort of did that view of like, is there anything missing from our list? And I think the only thing that we added on as a, that almost not didn't come naturally, but was a, an add-on to the, to, the, to the final is probably our last one, um, which is not necessarily an advisory point. It's, it's an invitation. It's a requirement and an, ex- an expectation on the, the profession to go and, go and be a part of its future. And I think that's probably the only one where we choreographed it to, to help land our message rather than it being a natural part of a lot of a lot of chatter. Yeah, Brett, you're right. I mean, it was, you know, it is the heart of the book. I mean, the, the front end of the book is just us, you know, getting some things off our chest because, we, you know, we're, we're really quite grumpy and it's, it's called the bloody annoying world of project management and there are many things that annoy us. So once we got that out of the way, we felt a whole lot better and allowed us to move on to seven cracking ideas. Um, and then, you know, we, we extended that a little bit about, you know, how to get some stuff done and stay cool and like that. But the, the seven cracking ideas, it's definitely the, the, the heart of the book and the stuff that we think all project managers should, should understand and, and contemplate on. Because I think it would, our view is that it will make them a better project manager result of understanding that. And, um, you know, we try to be a little quite practical as well. You know, not just talk about concepts, but offer up some advice as well. Absolutely. I, I think that that's why I like the book. And, and the reason why I guess I thought it would be difficult to pull those things together is that anytime I think about project management uh, and, and what people should know or do, kind of like what you outlined, I end up supersizing every every uh, kind of item, right? Like every item is connected to another. And I think you did such a great job of kind of distilling kind of what's needed in each one. Any chance I could ask both of you, which is maybe your favorite or maybe is most impactful to you or has been most impactful to you as a PM? Ladies first. Oh, I knew you were going to do that. <laughs> so, and, and this is, this is, I promise this is not a cop out. Like, I really love all of the cracking ideas. So to say one of them is my favorite is unfair on what would be the remaining six. Um, 
but there are a couple that really, really resonate me in terms of some of the stories I got to tell as, as part of it. Um, so I think for me, uh, my favourite inspiration, which is um, sort of a response to a cracking idea where, where we bring them to life, is referred to as the one at the interview where I tell a very personal story about something going horrendously wrong, but being one of the best lessons I've probably learned in my my career to date. And then a cracking idea in its totality would probably I would stick with number seven, which is which is shape shape the future, which is a, a call to action to all of our peers, colleagues, friends, PMs, to stand up, be counted, and, and to directly contribute towards the the profession profession that we're all trying to grow and love. Yeah, from my point, yeah, from my point of view, uh, it keeps changing because it's um, this is a question that we've been asked a few times, and it is one of those things. It kind of goes back to what Sue said, which is that actually they're all great and we love them all. Because every time I'm asked a question, it's like I kind of change my mind. But you know, today I'm being drawn towards the one which is that you know failure is an option. It's a, it's really accepting that you know perfection is pointless and unachievable so just accept you you will make some failures and you can recover from those and you can learn from those but you know i think there's there's only seven there's not that many i think people just love them all absolutely (laughs) i think they should too i mean they should practice them all or, or learn from them all at least i think for me my um the one that resonated the most for me was engage the willing work with the able and deal with the rest later and oh, yes. just the the idea of talking about how people ruin projects right like that is really what it comes down to is that people ruin everything really but when when you're in a project setting and things go wrong uh it can be kind of a domino effect starting with one person uh, so I, I really appreciated that. And Susie, I kind of want to come back to what you've mentioned a couple times about the future of PM, because I really appreciated that, too. Um, and, and really kind of how you're telling project managers to own project management. Um, so I'm curious to hear from both of you, where do you see the world of project management heading in the next 5, 10, 15 years? Ooh. Oh, oh um, you can go first, Peter. <laughs> Thank you for that. Oh, he's so kind. Um, where do I see it heading? I mean, I think it's going to be an interesting mix. I think it's going to be a lot more of the same, um, you know, as we as we move forward, stagger forward, blunder forward, whatever. Uh, I do see a growth, you know, as I described already, with the, uh, you know, this, this growth in the middle point um, of projects as usual stuff, people doing changes as part of their day-to-day job. How do we help them? I also see... A uh, huge opportunity coming uh, from the world of AI, uh, supporting project managers, getting rid of some of the uh, the tedious, boring stuff that they don't really like doing and that they don't do it very well as a result, but putting them back in a position where they can use all of those people skills they're supposed to have, which is, you know, we've talked about projects being about people. So I think empowering project managers to spend more time on the people because really, if I cast my mind back to the you know the decades ago when I started in project management, that's all I really had. I had no idea what being a project manager was all about. I merely you know reached or used the what what little skills I had as far as you know working with people and communicating, and, and somehow survived in that period of time of accidental project manager. So I just see that as the as a potential future. A lot more people involved in change. Um, most of them will not be, you know, core project managers I don't believe in the future. There still will be project managers. And I do feel that this kind of AI empowerment is going to be a huge benefit to project managers in the future. 
I think for, for me, it's probably, it, ultimately it's not dissimilar. We we spent a lot of time talking about this stuff. I think in the main, what I would really like to see is the, the gap between project management and change management um, closing, narrowing, being more of the partners with each other. Um, because there's a, a massive power in the in the skill of, of what change management can do when, when it's brought together with project management. So less differentiation, more partnership and more confidence in that partnership. I, I expect, and this is probably from an experience point of view, um, that project management, the skill will become more generalist and more people will be able to access it and more people will understand it and acknowledge it. And it will become almost like less of a thing and more of an expectation, which will then create space for people to become really fiery experts around certain aspects of project management so you know you can bring in the big guns to help really resolve some complexity or some something that's beyond sort of a a natural capability so I think that combination of expert and generalist uh, capability growth would be a brilliant thing to see and if our actual delivery can be informed by you know Peter's always said about sort of AI territory, but data analytics and evidence to really ground our delivery in something that's really solid and confident. I think that would be a, a phenomenal thing to see. Yeah, I, I agree with you. I think um, there are things that you both said that that are really interesting. I love the idea of kind of like the, the generalist PM. I think at the heart, and this is just kind of what I feel personally and I've put out there is that as humans, we all kind of have skills to be project managers. There are things that we do in our day-to-day lives that are project management. Um, So I like the idea of more people recognizing that. And then also, I think, you know, what if PMs were to become more strategic and fill in more roles within a company um, that aren't just about keeping a schedule and a budget together. Like, so I, I really like where you're going with that. And I think one of the things that is going to help to kind of move us forward is growth and community. And Peter, I know you you recently launched a new community called the PM Tribe. Can you tell our listeners a little bit about that? Yeah, of course. Yeah, so it's um, it is a we're thinking it's a fairly timely thing that everything is going on. It is a virtual community. It's led by myself and five others, uh, people you know, like Rick Morris, John Stenbeck, Alana Hill, Elizabeth Harron and Colin D. Ellis. So some, some fairly well-known names and, uh, from around the world. And, and the principle is it's an open community. So it's not about training or certification or anything like that. It's a, you know, it's a, it's a join once, pay once, you're here for lifetime access type approach. And what we do, what we think is different is that each of the faculty leads, we run a weekly call um, within specialist groups. So my group is around working smarter, not harder, you know, the productivity, kind of the essence behind a lazy project manager. And we have an open conversation. People can dial in and join in and comment and challenge and discuss um, weekly or you're also recorded, of course. But we see it as a very dynamic community that is very much in the moment. Um, and it's not replacing anything else that's out there. It's just supplementing something. And, and the, the strength really is it's, it is it is. As of now, it is in the moment. It's what yeah, what you want to talk about uh, next week will be actually what's happening right now, and it's it's that fast paced moving. So, yeah, it's uh, you know the PM Tribe um, that uh, thepmtribe.com is the place to go and find it. Yeah, and we'll put a link to that in our show notes. Thanks for thanks for touching on that, and thanks for allowing me in the community. Um, so we end every podcast episode with a question that is. 
really in keeping with this, the theme of this show title, which is time limit. So I'm wondering if each of you might offer a tip or two for project managers who are always feeling stretched for time and resources. You know, like what are the types of things that you recommend folks do that basically they need to do in order to, to do a great job, but that might also save them a little bit of time to maybe free up time to focus on the people or whatever is more important in the moment. Yeah. Should, I, should I go? Me go? You go? Go, 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 go. Um, so I think for me, uh, one, one of them is probably a bit of a mindset. So at the start of a project or a role, you know, how, however you undertake your work, understand early on what good enough looks like because your version of good enough is never going to be the same as somebody else's. So if you understand what it is you're shooting for, your ability to hit it the first time around, or, the, or at least the second time around, is exponentially increased. If you go in there shooting in the dark, you will always be a bit on the back foot, so you'll never quite nail it, and therefore you'll burn time and you'll burn effort and you'll burn energy and enthusiasm. So understand what good enough is and only deliver good enough. Nobody needs perfection. It's not a pair of jeans. Um, and then I think the second one for me, and I've probably said it a few times already, just chill out a bit. Like if we all calm down and take a step back and a big deep deep breath before we opened our mouths, what we said would be more helpful, what we said would be calmer, and what we said would be we would be taken a bit further. So know what it is you're trying to do and calm down about it because you're going to be okay. Yeah, I think um, from my point of view, it's around the areas of you know if you think about the demand on your time is well then prioritize and prioritize properly and you know i talk about the 80 20 rule where you know it is 20 percent of what you do there's 80 percent of return on your personal investment so start to prioritize things properly and don't get overwhelmed by everything because not absolutely everything needs to be done what needs to be done is what's those things that are in that 20 percent that are important and impactful and and you they're the ones you need to throw your efforts at and you know get working on and if you do that you actually feel a lot better about yourself moving forward and you you feel a little bit more energized i think to to crack on with the rest of the things you that you have to do but again you know don't aim for everything don't aim for perfection don't aim for 100 percent or even beyond it's you know achieve what can be achieved in a realistic uh, manner and consider what is really really important to the project as you start to plan your time and the rest of your project's team time as well. Excellent. Thank you both so much. And thank you so much for joining me. And also thanks for bringing such a, a fresh kind of irreverent voice to project management. Uh, Peter, I know that you've been doing this for a while, um, but but I really do appreciate it. And I think it's it's sorely needed. I mean, uh, and Susie, you've said it so many times, like just chill out, you know, have fun with the job do a good job, work hard, but also know that it doesn't always have to be so serious. Um, so so I, I really do appreciate that. And I thank you both for that in the book and for the book as well, but also just for joining me and talking today. Thanks so much. Thank you for having us. Yeah, likewise. Have a great rest of your day. All right, folks, that's the end of the episode. I definitely recommend you check out the book and the PM Tribe community. Links to those are in our show notes on the website. Also, if you have a few minutes and are so inclined, we'd love a positive review in the podcast wherever you listen. Doing that will help us to get more listeners and to attract more guests. And if you're interested in joining us to talk about your own work, reach out. You know, we'll be back soon with another episode and an interview with an author of another new book that I think you're really going to like, but I'm going to leave it at that. Thanks so much for joining me and have a great rest of your day.